I know that all of us, right from our first grade, will have been introduced to synonyms and antonyms. I remember as a five-year-old, we used to sing antonyms like as if we were singing a song. Tall, short, big, small, hot, cold. Now, that's a, fun, a very fun way of getting the five-year-old to learn their vocabulary. But even more importantly, those synonyms and antonyms are very effective devices of expanding the intellectual capacity of the five-year-old. Because, for instance, as they are doing the synonyms, they are beginning to do paradigmatic associations. They are beginning to learn how to switch words that can replace each other conveniently. They can even begin to understand collective nouns that when you call out a collective noun, they figure out the components of the noun. And so when you say dessert, ice cream, or you say fruits, orange. And so as five-year-old, their mind is beginning to expand and is at work. They even begin to do uh, syntagmatic associations. So they begin to know actions that go with certain nouns, so when you tell them, sun shining, the church praying, uh, what else now? Uh, food eating. And it looks like fun, but they are learning and their mind is woof, woof, expanding. As a five-year-old, they may not be able to describe conceptually what it means to be happy. But when you get them to do antonyms, Happy, sad. Happy, sad. In his mind, he knows now what it means to be happy. He may not be able to describe it, but he says, I know what it means when I'm sad. Aha, now I get it. I also now know what it means to be happy. Yay! So why do we do that? The fact is that those things we do as five-year-olds... Even when we grow up, we don't abandon them. We keep those mental maps in our minds. And even as adults, we learn through all that kind of synonym and antonyms. Sometimes spiritual realities that we may not be able to describe, mysteries that we may not be able to fully describe, we can now use some sense of synonym and antonym to make those descriptions. That's precisely what is going on in our readings this morning. But instead of calling it synonym and antonym, in the Bible we call it chiasis. And so a chiasis is a style where the writer of the Bible starts with one part of the story and ends with a second part that contrasts the first part. And why are they doing it? For example, in our first reading, we see Jeremiah doing a beautiful chiasis. And so the central question that Jeremiah is asking is, 
Who is the person who puts his trust in human beings? And who is the person who puts his trust in the Lord? And now he begins just like children we do synonym and antonym. So Jeremiah says, the person who puts his trust in human beings, number one, is like a barren bush in the desert that has no change in season. It's like a tree that stands in lava waste. It's like a tree that stands in salt and empty earth. And then Jeremiah turns it around and said, Okay, everybody, who is the person who puts his trust in the Lord? And Jeremiah said, There you go. The person who puts his trust in the Lord, number one, is like a tree planted by the waterside. That person fears no heat. That person stays green forever. Chiasis. Synonym, antonym. Why has Jeremiah done this in the reading this morning? We're going to find out shortly. This same sense of synonym, antonym, Luke, in the gospel, does the same thing. This sense of chiasis. And so Luke now says, who is the blessed? Who is the woe? And so in the gospel, Luke gives us four blessed and four woes. And so blessed, number one, according to Luke, is the poor. Number two, the hungry. Number three, the weeping. Number four, the hated. And now he turns it around again. Who are the woe? According to Luke, number one, the rich now. Number two, the filled now. Number three, those who laugh now. And number three, those who are spoken well of now. Chiasis, Antony. So why has Jeremiah and Luke employed this beautiful chiasis for us this morning? is to make vivid in our mind a very important spiritual reality. And what is this reality? Fundamental choice. Fundamental choice. The fact that you and I this morning are reminded to reaffirm our choice for the Lord. And so the readings tell us, you've got to make your choice and remain firm to your choice. A fundamental choice is our decision for the highest goal. Our decision for the highest good. And so Jeremiah says, if you make that decision for the Lord, you will be like the tree that never goes dry. And Jesus says, if you make your choice for God, you will be blessed eternally. Second thing why they have used chiasis is to remind you that as you have put your faith in God today, you have your reward. No one who puts his life in God's hand will not receive the reward. 
Now, this is where sometimes it gets a little bit complicated. You love God. You come to church every Sunday. You do all the right things. And sometimes you will expect God to love you back and not let evil things happen to those you love and not let you get sick and not let your finances collapse. And the list can go on and on and on. But the readings reassure us today that there is nobody, no one who loves God that does not receive the reward here and after. And that's why in the second reading, you now see Paul arguing for the resurrection. That people say that your faith is in waste, that you are believing in nothing, that all your effort as a Christian is a waste. Paul says, stop. Stop, because we believe in the resurrection. And there is nothing you do as a believer in Christ that goes in vain. So let's summarize everything in one statement then. Even if you forgot every other thing I've tried to say this morning, what is one statement I want you to believe firmly this morning? You love God. You've put your life in God's hands. you put your family's life in God's hands. Your health, everything about your being, you have put in God's hands. Believe me. Believe me. No one who puts his or her trust in God will be abandoned. Because you are like a tree planted by the waterside of blessings and grace. Your life will remain green and fresh all the days of your life. And now let the church say amen.